Hi out there, Woo Woo Crew, Lynette here. Just a heads up that we had a few Mercury retrograde issues with our microphones for this record. We hope you can overlook the anomalies and get into the flow of the conversation with us. We decided not to re-record because part of the episode was about clearing fear of imperfection and moving into an authentic space and power. The conversation was flowing and we decided to leave it as it is. Enjoy. This podcast contains adult content, so if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual, and energetic worlds, so please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy to lose them. Hello and welcome to the Woo Wooverse. I am Kiralee. And I'm Lynette. And we are your hosts. We love energy and spiritual exploration, uh, deep breaths, screaming into pillows, charging our crystal collections under the full moon while naked, and just other general, you know, woo-woo shit. Uh, And we are especially thankful right now for our spiritual practices, our spiritual teachers, and each other as we experience another week in the great changing that has been these pandemic slash quarantine slash day 117 of what month is it anyway, pandemic times. Month of forever weary. Whatever. How are you doing? It just feels like not everyone is in the same space at the moment. So different, right? Just such different experiences. We've been inside and then we've been let out of it and then yep. we have to go back inside now maybe and we're putting on masks mm-hmm. and gloves and going to the shops is a big deal. Yeah, it's yeah, not definitely. like it was and nothing is easy. And so that is very, very wearing on the soul. I used to love shopping and now I'm like, oh, my goodness, no thanks. It's such a chore. Oh, my God. The other thing is that there is a major reconstruction going on, a revolution of our world where we are being called with the Black Lives Matters movement. It's starting to bring towards us a task that is going to be a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. And so in order to step up for that task and to change our world and tear the structure down and build a new one, we're going to have to make a commitment to look after ourselves so that we can contribute to that journey. And equally to help those people who've been carrying that incredible burden and weight for so long who must be so fatigued and exhausted and who deserve the best of us and the best help that we can possibly offer. Yeah. I mean, it's such a big time because there's so much unknown and when we don't know things, we can't touch the sides, we don't have concrete answers, we're kind of at sea. So if you imagine how fatigued you get by having to tread water all the time. That's kind of what's happening to us at the mm. moment. And and I think it's coming in waves. And us humans don't love uncertainty. We like clarity. Um, we like see, thinking we can see the future. We like forward momentum. That there's like a plan. Tell me when it's over. 
it's not reacting into everybody's bodies the same. New York's not the same as Australia. You know, like, oh, can we go out? Can we stay in? Is 5G making us mental? You know, do we have to have a vaccine? Are we going to take our tracking app? So many decisions, so many questions. I'm Dude, exhausted. I am not downloading that app. No, me either. Just quietly, the Morrison government could not run a bath. I'm certainly not going to let them try and run my data and, like, track me everywhere I go. That's just not going to happen. No. Do you know that there's no legislation around what they do with that data? You're not even signing anything. It's just like, hey, guys, just track me. And everyone's like, but they're tracking you already. And I'm like, sure. But But they need a warrant for that. Like, at least they need a warrant to track to you to get into my data. I'm not just going to give it to them. No. But there is a lot going on at the moment, and that's kind of what we want to talk about as well, because we are kind of talking about what happens when we get a bit over it. And I feel like everybody has fatigue at the moment. There's Have you been tired? Yeah, everyone's pretty tired. Everyone's a bit done. And, and we're talking about that on a spiritual plane as well. Mm. Self-help fatigue, getting mm. over it, mm. and how to reset the compass when you do get over. Because we want to do our work. We want to... Show up. We want it, That's perfect. We want to show up. We want to be involved in our lives. We want to explore our gorgeous consciousness and our beautiful bodies and be present and understand what a miracle this life is that we've been given. But oh my God, sometimes you also just want to like tick done. Yeah. Oh, yoga done. Meditation done. Yeah. Healing my emotional wounds done, done, done. Sometimes the to-do list feels massive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like any good army, right? They've always needed to stop and rest and gather for the bigger battles. So if we just keep on going and we don't have sort of a self-help cycle and plan, We're going to burn out and that's not going to help anyone. Burnout never helps anyone. And some of these ideas of of self-care and spirituality and these practices we take are really ancient practices and it's not like they stop being relevant. I think in many ways they become more and more relevant as time goes on and people get more stressed. But they do crash into capitalism and they do Mm. crash into this idea of constant productivity. And so then self-care becomes about productivity rather yeah. than about, again, ex- being present, showing up, exploring your consciousness, taking care of each other, building a beautiful world. It just becomes something else that I need to get done. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because the wellness movement is all about getting it all happening, making things right, you know, be better. And I think that that pressure mm. at some point just meets with your capacity in your life and it doesn't all add up and then it gets really messy. Yeah, yeah. And self-care almost becomes something that could make us unwell Mm. or can drive us into feeling worse if we don't actually understand what this whole energy and movement is meant to be doing. Mm. Self-care that we're talking about today and the fatigue that we're talking about is a revolutionary act to take care of this. Because it's not like it was five months ago where we were talking about I need to feel good, I need to, you know, reset my inner being. And this is so much bigger than that. The world, potentially the transformation, could rely on how we treat ourselves during this time. Yeah. So much of, you know, what became self-care and the New Age movement left out so many groups 
And there's entire industries who don't give a shit about any of this stuff, but they're trying to sling products. So there mm. is a wellness industrial complex that the people who work in that complex don't necessarily care for themselves or band together to care for their communities. They're not actually on the spiritual path, but they know the right words. They know what the right images are. They know how to brand it. And so they're selling things to us that we don't need that don't improve our lives, that just put pressure on us. So much what's being commercialised came from beautiful practices of true Indigenous healthcare, cultural healthcare that was never written down, that mm. now is perceived to be something that has been, let's say, groupified. And really it came from somewhere very, very sacred. It was not ours like smoking and smudging and saging and none of that is ours. Yep. It was never ours. No, and it's been monetized, and the people whose wisdom it is, yes. Native Americans, we use their wisdom, yeah. and Gwyneth sells it for a fortune, and the original holders of that wisdom don't don't even get decent health care. Mm. In some ways, wellness has become the new luxury, which is obscene, that just being well and being able to take care of yourself is increasingly further and further out of reach for, for regular people, like like all of us are regular people. Like The billionaires get to do it, we don't. So if you look at things like Headspace and Calm, these really, really highly downloaded apps, millions of people download them, they really started in the tech industry in Silicon Valley and it became this big thing to hack your brain, right, for optimal productivity. And places like Google and Nike and Apple and Goldman Sachs all ran huge mindfulness programs. And I always have this conflicted moment where I'm going to work in this stuff and I think hold on a minute are you really asking me to help the energy and well-being of your people if it was to affect your structure like you might have to change your whole structure I know because what if I help the well-being and energy of your people and they realize they leave. That, or, the, or they don't want to work 80 hour weeks anymore they want to yeah. spend time with their families yeah and and at some point you know the World Health Organization actually classified burnout and the need for mindfulness as very real and it became a thing now as soon as it became a thing and it became something that we started to look towards as important it became something that marketers went mm. hold on a minute so there are two things that are highly googled and sell one is sex <laughs> surprising and the other I never googled that I never I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> <laughs> the other is spirituality yeah. And so what happened was we start getting a whole lot of people starting to think about how they can tap into our need to find out about ourselves spiritually or to feed ourselves spiritually and they want to sell us a product. There became this thing called metro spirituality where it's actually an advertising term where we sell to an entire generation of people a version of spirituality that also requires them to buy something. Yeah. Mm. And it's so insidious, isn't it? Because, yes, burnout is real, overwork is real, working really long hours for very little pay, not having enough to provide for yourself and your family are real. But what if I'm like a white person in Australia and I can, I'm working that hard and I then can buy an app that might make me feel better, what about the garment worker in Cambodia who's working in a sweatshop? And, like, what you're making in a sweatshop, you can never buy headspace. Though yeah. those people need need spirituality. They need support. They need help for their burnout. It's it's real. It's not just a trend or an app. It is a structural problem. Yeah, yeah. So important. It is a privilege in so many ways to be able to do those 
forms of self-care that are about, you know, pampering, whereas looking after yourself when a system is abusive, day in, day out, making sure a generation of young men and young women are safe, you know, mothers banding together and and looking after communities that is so wearing on the soul and the psyche Mm. you know they've done lots of studies of people who live under military control and oppression and there is a depression and a hopelessness that just takes over the soul I mean all of us on some tiny level have experienced what restriction does to us you know lack of connection it numbs us out a bit yeah yeah definitely you know there was a point I just felt a bit blank and I thought I could see it in my kids eyes and I thought right we have to change this what happens when that isn't easy what happens when you can't do that every day you're absolutely right self-care is a political experience yes and it has to be seen as something that we need to help others receive and do and give yes. and get. And we need to make sure that we understand that we're not just looking after ourselves anymore. This is something that we are giving to everyone. That's what needs to be changed. An app will not change it. Like bloody revolution and overthrowing capitalism will change it. Just putting that out there. So many people are starting to say, can we please not go back to the same structure? Can we not create a totalitarian Orwellian structure where we're searched and (laughs) tracked and can we please not do that? But can we create something that is a little bit more open and mindful of the human spirit, soul and individual as well as the collective? Maybe that's why we're talking about it. The reason self-care had to become a thing is because what happened was you had never had a generation that had worked so many hours so there are kids who are 15 that are going to school for what six hours seven hours and then they're going to jobs after school there are parents who are working Mm. two jobs there are teachers in america who work one job in the day that does not sustain them so then they have to work another job at night the kids have to stay in the cafeteria and sleep while they work their second job So we had a generation that was never working so much. So self-care had to become this symbol because the structure was broken. I think it's important what we talk about here is that self-care is divine and beautiful and there is a spiritual element to this. But at the same time, hold on a minute, it happened because society became out of balance. And it also has deep roots in the black community. Some of the modern ideas we have about self-care come from the Black Panther movement and the idea of black people in America having to band together and support themselves because the state will not support them and is policing them and is putting them in prison. And so then when you're in a marginalised community like that, self-care really becomes a political act. It's not just like running a salt bath and eating chocolate cake in it. It's the possibility of revolution within yourself, revolution outside of yourself. And there is two kinds of self-care. There is like the put a face mask on and that's lovely. Everybody loves to put the face mask on. But there's also the self-care of building a life you don't have to Mm. regularly escape from. And some of that might be something you do for yourself and some of that might be stuff we have to Mm. do for each other and bringing people forward and building lives that none of us have to escape from, that we can all enjoy. And I was reading this article called How Millennials Became the Burnout Generation and it was so interesting and it said, is self-care truly for that generation about their well-being and is it that the best way for caring for that generation would be to engage in action that dismantles the system in which they are currently operating? Like, yes. 
Because you can own as many crystals as you want. You can put as many face masks on as you want. But if you're never going to get decent wages and never be able to mm. afford to live in the city that you're living in, mm. then nothing's going nothing's gonna to solve that. And you can't pray that away. You can't manifest that away. You can't the secret that away. Like it's it's bigger. Also, if you understand the concept that healthcare in so many countries is an absolute privilege. So if you have mental distress, which could possibly be a true mental illness or disability, and you cannot afford healthcare, the self-care movement, how to do your own at-home meditations and yoga and all of that, which is wonderful, became a fill-in. But it became a fill-in that should never really fill in for some levels of this. It, it should, should complement. It should be part yeah. of a bigger healthcare program. Psychologists should be able to yeah. work side by side with yogi instructors that are able to help people move through trauma. We should have an entire cohesive non-binary wellness movement that should be subsidized for our people amen i think we've got to stop being so hard on ourselves when we feel like we are failing ourselves or our neglect or our trauma one of the reasons we get this fatigue is the system and the structure and the pressure yeah, it's so insidious. It's kind of like what's been done with the environmental movement where the structures of power have abdicated yes. responsibility and made us feel like if we're mm. not recycling properly, then then we're not doing our bit to save the planet, where we're yeah. not recycling the planet out of this. That's not enough, quite frankly. It's the structure that needs to change. And it's a bit like that with health and wellness as well. It's like, well, no, I'm sorry, you just have to work this hard and everything's this expensive and the government won't help you and there's nothing we can do and we police people who try to change things really heavily and it's your fault if you don't have 10 minutes a day to meditate or you don't know how to like do your own care for your own mental health that's on you and it's so interesting because the level of people who don't believe in anything so atheism has reduced to about 35 percent over the world population according to religious database so non-believers now of any spiritual understanding are less Yet, we're now using the concept that people believe in something bigger to almost manage this political, you know, gap. It's like, hold on a minute, please don't use my spirituality as a way of putting back on me this responsibility that my collective and my politicians and all the people who are governing us should also be caring and nurturing for my spirit. Yes. I was listening to the the leader of Iceland and also Jacinda Ardern is they speak to our spirit. They speak to our soul. They speak to our humanness and they're running mindfulness programs and care programs. And I think that we're starting to go, oh, you're talking spirit in government and I want that. I had such a funny conversation with a friend the other day because I used to be an atheist in my spiritual journey. I that was forget. journey. That was a large a large chunk of my spiritual journey. And I was one of those dumbass atheists who really thought that people who were spiritual or believed in God were a bit dim, bless their hearts, bit dim. And now I've gone so far the other way that it's so obvious to me that there is something bigger going on that I look at atheists and I'm like, oh, you're a bit dim, aren't you? Bless your hearts. I And, you know, for me, I think I look at those that are not connected into something bigger in the world, the world that we can't see, and I wish for them that they could feel the magic of it oh you don't just look at them as patronizingly as I do <laughs> I, I, well no I, I I mean no <laughs> good for you 
I can be a bit of a bitch sometimes. I'm more marvel at the way they look at me like I'm crazy. I have had that all my life. So I I just watch yeah, the yeah. energy of that and I think, oh, one day you're going to get it. The amount of people I've read before they've passed over who are absolutely sure they don't believe anything, they pass over, their people come for a reading and then I'm reading them and they say, I'm sorry. And I've got, of course you are, because now we're speaking and you're a spirit. Ah, there you see it. But there's this beautiful quote, Emma Milden, spirituality is not a religion or a trend. It's a lifestyle of awareness that combines understanding, faith, body, mind and soul, allowing us to live in this modern day enlightened world collectively and personally in positive ways, in small and big ways. I think that's what it comes down to, but it's certainly been taken away from that hasn't it? I, I push back a little bit. For some reason, the word lifestyle makes me feel really uncomfortable because I feel like that's something we can be sold. I feel like a magazine. Oh, yeah. like it's like culture. You know how like there's like, if you want to work out, yeah. you work out. You go for a run or you're like, whatever it is. So there's working out and then there's workout culture, which means you need to have the $100 pants and you need to like buy this mm. certain food that goes this certain way. And you need a water mm. bottle that looks like that. I feel like I, it's complicated. You're so right about that. When I was recovering from a really big transition in my life, I was receiving the advice, you need to start moving because I'd really become restricted and basically wasn't getting out of bed. So I went to the gym and I rocked up and I did not have any of the swishy clothes on. And I just I had yeah, this great yeah. friend who's an occupational therapist and she was like, you need to just move for 20 minutes a day. Just get on the walker. Like I don't, nothing fancy, just get and move. So I turn up at the counter and I say to the guy, hi, I'm just here. Here's my thing. Can I just buy a pass? And he's like, he wanted to interview me. He wanted to measure my arms. He wanted to know. And I'm like, I just want to move every day. Like if I feel like a little bit of bike, I might get on the bike. If I feel like a little swim, I might go into the pool. He looked at me like I was an alien. He's like, you don't want to lose weight. Do you want to, is there any part of your body that you're unhappy with? And I was like, Oh, and I felt so freaked out and he didn't know what to do. So he gave me the card, which of course came with personal training things. I gave them back to him and I just kind of looked at this whole culture and went, oh, this is not set up for someone to come and actually just use your facilities. You're trying to sell me more and sell me more and sell me more. And And this is an actual wellness. This is wellness culture. Interestingly, pandemic times have meant people have bought this all into their house. They're dancing in their house. They're yogaing in their house. They are exercising mm. in their house. They're, I go for walks and people are smiling. They are beaming in ways on my walk track I've never seen before. Yep. So something's happening around bringing this back to us. This whole culture, the mm. shadow side of this culture is very much connected to perfectionism, which is another form of productivity, I guess. It's mm. also fear and competition and comparison Mm. and none of these things actually make you feel better and especially when you look out like if you're going to do your work and then look out you should always look about look out and think who can Mm. I bring up with me like how is the work I do for Mm. myself benefiting others as opposed to how does the work I'm doing look in comparison Mm. to others do I look as good as other people while I'm doing it and I think that's why we can get into self-help fatigue as well because it feels like it's it's never enough Brene Brown talks about this, um, this culture of never enough. Like we go to sleep thinking I didn't Mm. get enough done and we wake up thinking I didn't Mm. get enough sleep. And that's the day as it goes on. And none of that is 
going to help your mental wellness or help your body or help you spiritually. No, and a friend said to me the other day, I love this pandemic in not because of what it's doing to so many lives and families and the health of people, but I feel like I finally had a moment to not feel like I have to be as productive on some level. Yeah, I've enjoyed that as well. And yeah, full acknowledgement, we're recording this in Australia. It's been a very different experience here for us in Australia. It's not the same as somewhere like Italy or New New York. Like we acknowledge that. And there has been something about it that has made me feel like I don't have to be as productive. And I'd worked really hard to not be a productive person in my life. That's something I've been pushing back against for a really long time. But I realized that even though I was putting that into place, there was still a pressure. There was still like somehow me doubting myself. And now none of us are being productive and I love it. Well, parents are being productive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a different kind of productive. It's not like climbing up the ladder and launching a business and like, it's like surviving, (laughs) surviving productive. But it's interesting, a friend of mine who is a, you know, he's a politically minded person, he said to me, do you think the government's wondering whether people want to go back to work? Do you think the reason we have to start talking about, hey, Mm. schools are going back, don't get too crazy, is because people have started to say, I kind of like working from home. I kind of like being in my pyjamas. I kind of like not having to think about what my hair's doing or Maybe I've got a moment to reset my life. And he was saying, do you think actually this is going to hold on a minute? Capitalism is going to have to get us all excited about going outside again because they were like, go inside, you're going to die. And now they're like, please come outside because we need you to work for us again. Yeah, yeah. as quickly as you can and spend some money. Here's your super. Go and spend your super. I read this great article the other day about the great gaslighting that's coming our way and how many marketers and companies are about to spend a lot of money trying to make us believe that this never happened and we didn't learn anything and nothing needs to change and we just need to go back to the way things were. Of course that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, my mind is blown. I recommend Googling it. It's a really excellent article. It's called Prepare for the Ultimate Gaslighting. You are not crazy, my friends. And it's by Julio Vincent Gambuto. Love it. I love people that are starting to come out and say, hey, let's get this reality straight because you know what? That's the one thing I think we're going to have to be really mindful of. That's this whole perfectionist thing, right? Yeah. Like you have worked in the yoga industry. When I first started yogaing, there was no real industry. There was just, you just wore your crappy black tights. But over the years of living in the eastern suburbs of Sydney and then going to yoga, there was such a fashion that came out of yoga and a a body type that was connected to yoga. So I kept thinking, I don't really have a yoga body. I was confused about where I lived in the world. And I think a lot of people feel like that. But it's like... Everybody is a yoga body. I mean, it's one of the reasons I really got out of yoga teaching is the yoga industrial Mm. complex does my head in and I don't Mm. actually want to be a part of it. I'm not actually interested in playing that game. Like, is it incredibly powerful spiritual practice that has saved my life and is 5,000 years old and is still getting more relevant each day? Yes. Do I want to get involved in the culture around it? No. Do I want to do Shavasana a lot? Yes. (laughs) It's so powerful what we're talking about because a lot of times so many people have a vision of what this looks like or what they want from something or the way it's supposed to be or it's supposed to look in and then it gets abused by advertisers, even to the point where when people are birthing, I have to say, hey, you're having a birth. This baby needs to come through onto this planet. 
let's not preempt whether there's a good birth or a bad birth. Let's just have a birth. And you don't have to snap back at the end of it. Your body's allowed to change forever. Yeah. Let's have a birthing body. Let's let's have a marriage. Like there's no perfect relationship. Yeah. There's no perfect meal. You know, I've read people who eat tinned vegetables and they are in alignment and they're 80. I do love it that whenever you see like woman turns 108, gives her secret recipe. She's like, I smoked every day and drank sherry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I got here. <laughs> you know, we have to expand our consciousness and not to move out of the concepts of good and bad and move into a more holistic understanding of what makes me feel in alignment, what is true for me. And truth is alignment. Alignment brings healing. The truth will set you free. Mm, it'll piss you off first, but it'll set you free. Yeah, people go, is cosmetic surgery bad? Should I not do this? Should I not do that? I'm like, it's up to you. It depends what your intention is. It depends how strongly you feel that you're healing. Mm. I had this conversation with someone the other day who had liposuction and they said they had done it three times and the first two times did not work and well, didn't hold. The third time they did it, they're in the best space. They'd done a lot of emotional healing and it was, they said, a completely different experience to the first two times. I think it's got to do with your age as well. When I was 20 and anybody talked about um, cosmetic enhancement, I'd be like, you don't have to do that. Women don't need to have to do that. La, la, la. And then I turned 40 and I'm like, yeah, no, like do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like rock on, have fun. I might get this lifted. (laughs) I've always been do whatever you want because there are things about people's energies and genetics and bodies that they have come to realign or move or shift or heal or change yet if you come to your energy in your body with self-hatred or as though you've got to you've got to go to yoga it's not what you love to do it's not going to produce the same result I think that's where it becomes interesting people enter this path either to be more productive they're encouraged and paid for by their employees or their medical insurance Or they come to it as a trend. Everybody's doing it, so I'm going to do it too. There was a point where I realized that cold food, you know, like that raw food movement was so not for me. I sat there eating cold food and I felt so sad, so depressed, so uninspired. And I was like watching all these people around me in this cafe and I was like, yeah, nope, I like warm food. So I'm going to eat warm food and I feel good. Yeah. There is this energy of people coming who have something that they're nutting out and they're trying to heal and then there is a spiritual reason why people step into this path and depending on where you step in and why and what you combine I think determines your intention and outcome and if you're coming at it because you're pushing or trying to keep up with someone else or make yourself something you're not you're going to get tired quicker And I think it's an okay, like it's a marathon. It's similar to this whole COVID thing that's going on. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. We are still at the beginning of it. And in terms of the way you care for yourself, the way you care for your mental health, the way you care for your body, it's also a marathon. Mm, It lasts until the end of your life. So many people get into yoga because they walk in the door because they want to lose weight. That's what gets them through the door. And then they get into it and they're like, oh my God, no, there's so much more going on here. And that's what I connect with. I think we're you start 
is one thing. It's where you end up, though. It's where you go. It's how much you let yourself grow and release and find joy and fuck the system up a little bit. Like, that's where the real juicy beauty of all of this is. What was that thing I sent you the other day? Have um, It's one thing to something. Have you ever fucked the system? What was that quote? Yeah, it's one thing to have sex, but have you ever fucked the system? <laughs> Hot. I think when we think in terms of binary, like we lose our weight, we lose our power. We lose always. Is one birth going to suit everybody? No. Is one meal going to suit everybody? No. Is one health directive going to suit everyone? No. Is one beauty product going to suit everyone? No. I mean, this is, we're in a plethora of choice here. And it's learning how in within this industry and this journey to say, this is what works for me. This is what my daily routine is. This is how I best connect with my spirit. Mm. Even you and I are incredibly different sometimes in the way yep. we connect, the way we teach, the way we move through yep. this world. But we're, all, we're both in the same world. We're just finding what's right for us. Yeah. And one thing I like that we really do that I think is the other side of this, of like, you're right, the binary, we all lose out. If we can say this is what works for me and I give you permission to find what works for you. That's what why we're so good because we never try and tell each other what to do. It's always like we have our different approaches. Every river leads to the sea mm. exactly as it should mm. be. And I yeah. trust you to make your decisions for yourself as much as I trust me to make my decisions for me. Like, And we've got to give that to everyone. Often we'll say, okay, well, that doesn't work for me. I don't do that. You do that. What are we going to do? What's the meeting in the middle if we're going to be working in this together or we're going to have that connection together what's the meeting in the middle i think that's something that we weren't taught that how can we live with a group of people that have differences and making decisions for themselves and find harmony if i'm doing something with my body that feels right for me and it's 100 percent in alignment for me surely i can give permission for somebody else to do the same even if it annoys the living crap out of me that's evolution and healing for yeah. the collective, surely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. God, there's so many reasons, aren't there, that we get self-help fatigue, the productivity side of things, the perfectionism kind of things, the fact that we bring mm. our wounds with us wherever we go. We may be in the process of healing them, mm. but we take them into these spiritual spaces. And also there's a lot about learning cycles as mm. well. Yeah, you don't just not know it and then suddenly you learn it. doesn't happen. It's not like a video game. You don't just level up and then everything changes, right? It's like a slow fucking process. <laughs> I've been watching my kids play Harry Potter on the Switch and the interesting thing is they get to a level and they get really frustrated and they can't work out how to defeat the troll and they really have to nut it out. I've been there in my own life, not in Harry Potter, but I've been there, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they'll go, Mom, and I'm like, Hold on a minute, new level. You have to think about this. Yeah. You, it's something you haven't tried before. Try things you yeah. haven't tried before. And that's how we learn, right? We start in unconscious incompetence, meaning I don't know what I am doing. I have no idea and I don't know. The second stage is conscious incompetence, which means I know about it, but I can't do it. I'm not good at it. The third stage is conscious competence, meaning I can drive a car, but I have to think about it every step of the way. And the fourth stage is unconscious competence. I don't even think about it. Get in the car, move the gear stick. Last stage, flow and mastery. Got to be kind to ourselves. I'm going to put another stage in there that I definitely went through where I don't know shit, but I think I know everything. And I'm just going to stay here for a while and really mess (laughs) things up because I learned one spiritual lesson and now I think I know all the spiritual lessons. That's called the teenager. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely. That's the teenager. 
you know, even as a teacher, I think and look at my students in terms of yeah. those areas. And I will say to them, be kind to yourself. Mm. You're still learning mm-hmm. how to say no and keep boundaries. So it didn't work today. You try it next time. It's learning to love learning. It's learning to love the growth stages and the cycles. And as a society, we're also in those stages. We as a collective world have no idea what we're doing. We've never been at this level of consciousness with this many people trying to get to a new structure. The dinosaurs had Earth for 500 million years, right? We've had it for like like a couple hundred thousand (laughs) kind of doing things as we are. We are toddlers. Our species is toddlers. We've like toddlers who have a very fast car that can do a lot of damage, but kind Mm. of toddlers nonetheless. Mm. And men often say that to me, you know, like who are really working at this and trying to change. They will say to me, I'm trying. I really want to. I'm not getting it right. I apologize. You know, and I I appreciate that. I appreciate they understand that we're in a space of change and evolution. And I think also letting go of the idea that it needs to be a linear process. Again, not a video game. Can't just level up. It's circles. It's cycles. It's two steps forward. It's one step back. So many people who come to me for readings just want the linear process. They're like, right, lay it out. How do I do it? Let's go. Like, give me the key and I'll open the door. And and it's like, babes. It's not how it works. It's soz. <laughs> many keys, many yeah, doors, yep, spiral yep, staircase. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that we have to think in terms of this healing process. So if you're self-caring and you're working on self-help, it's going to be mm. a birth-death process at some point. It is yep. not just all birth and all growth. It, it's impossible. It does not work like that. Nothing does. And I don't think people are often as um, forthcoming about the yucky part. Even cosmetic surgery has a really big big healing space that not many people talk about. You watch stars, they go away, suddenly they have a new nose and that nose took six weeks to actually get to a point where the swelling was coming down. But does anyone show that or talk about that? No, and this is part of the problem. We're missing the background. This is kind of why I love Cardi B. Cardi B got a lot of liposuction after her birth and it went bad and she had to cancel a bunch of concerts because she wasn't able to perform because her plastic surgery had gone bad and she spoke and really she openly lie. about it. And I was like, full credit to you, lady. Like she, I mean, she speaks openly about everything. So, you know, it's right on trend mm. for her. But yeah. If women spoke more about the hardships of birth and having a baby and and even parents, I know that my partner and I are very, very honest when it comes to meeting other people about how difficult it can be to do the big juggle and to manage multiple children at similar ages you know and how what the toll is energetically and spiritually mentally and emotionally as well as the gifts and sometimes people are like oh I don't want to talk about that and I'm like often surprised that people are not more like holy crap this is it's a spiritual thing instead they just put their fingers in their ears and they're like la 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 (laughs) yeah yeah there is something called spiritual emergency right where people go into a place during this journey where they didn't expect it's almost like a kundalini moment of explosion through your chakras where you don't have and can't keep going you actually have to stop you have to rest you have to re-get set the foundation and you have to start again. So that's a little bit different if you're feeling that that's not just fatigue, that's actually part of the process and it requires a deep 
commitment to just nurturing yourself. And in fact, this whole thing, if you just get to too much, just push stop and go into Shavasana. Oh, my God. I'm just here for the Shavasana. And when I say that, I mean on earth. I'm just on earth for the Shavasana. Can I ask you, from a yoga perspective, Shavasana is considered one of the most important part of a yoga class, yes. isn't it? hands down. I would say the most important part of the yoga class. So a yoga class has stages and peaks and troughs mm-hmm. and ebbs and flows, mm-hmm. and that's energetically as well as physically, as well as in terms of how you receive the teachings and how mm-hmm. your body works. And the reason we do Shavasana at the end of the class and why you never skip it, mm-hmm. you the people who try to skip it in my classes don't get very far. Um, <laughs> I used to have a yoga instructor that, Darren Ma, God, I loved you, Darren. You have repaired my soul from so many years and lives. He used to stand at the door, <laughs> basically wouldn't let people out. Yeah, yeah, they need to lock the door for Shavasana because it's like you're not allowed to leave. Um, the reason it's so important is because that's when the healing integrates. So anything you've taken into your body, anything you've moved through your body, you mm. need to have this period of rest at the end of class where maybe your mind is a bit like, oh, my God, I need to be at work now. But actually, it's where it integrates into your body and all of your energy bodies, not just your physical body. Mm. And I forget Matthew, what was his name? Dancing warrior. Matthew was one of my first yoga teachers. And he and I had an ongoing fight that lasted about eight months about Shavasana because mm. I couldn't do it. And I wasn't interested in doing it. And my mind was so busy and I was just starting yoga. And I was like, this is bullshit. I'm out of here. And he would make me stay and he'd like slam an eye bag down on my face and I'd pull it off and he'd slam the eye bag down on my face. And now I'm like, can I just do 45 minutes worth of Shavasana and I'll hug a bolster. It'll be amazing. Me too. When I used to go to Bikram and Darren was teaching, at the end when we're in Shavasana, he would state all the things that were happening in our body at that time. Mm. Right now your body is pummeling, you know, all this amount of blood through every sinew of every toenail of every da-da-da. And then he would leave and no one would get up. The minute he started to explain the benefit of that moment, yeah, yeah, it was you can feel it and you wake up and the, I think the rejuvenation is almost three yeah. times what you get from a normal rest after and that. And the, the space, there's a reason why there's always someone crying in Shavasana because mm. they've needed to cry for so long and now finally, and as an empath, I can feel it coming. Yeah. I'm like, uh-uh, yep, here we go, here we go. Someone's <laughs> about to cry. Who is it? It's you over there. Yeah. And they never cry for them just for themselves. They always cry for everyone. For the world. Like it's always a yes. release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's why you get your best ideas in Shavasana yeah. as well because you finally cleared the space for them to come through. I mean, spiritually, we integrate a lot when we're asleep. So if we're not resting and we're not napping or we are not taking time out or doing something that resets us on that level where we can kind of hand our consciousness over, we're not probably getting the deepest integration. It can really affect your intuitive clarity if we're not getting back to those spaces. So it's actually a really important part of the journey to stop and to say, all right, I'm handing it over to something higher than myself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm going to put my brain to sleep that can send this off in all sorts of weird directions. Yes. And then I want to wake up more in my soul space. You need energy to repair the aura. So if you're not resting, you're essentially draining energy and then calling in energy to protect yourself or ground yourself And you kind of need energy to be able to do that. So you can't let the tanks get too low. You have to be able to draw on something. And nature and 
experiences like that are really powerful. Yes. Just getting yourself a self-care toolkit list that you refer back to. Like when I am fatigued, I have a bath, go for a walk in nature, watch something, ring a friend, journal, do some art, yeah. dance. Every person will have a refueling station that looks a little bit different, yeah. but it's really important that we know what that looks like for us and we understand how our system works and needs to be refueled. Mm. It's an act of self-love. Self-care is the ultimate way we take our power back. It's the ultimate way we love ourselves. When we're full of that love, we attract love, we can give love, we can be part of a more loving system and Yeah, world. totally. Oh, my God. Rest is such an important part of overcoming fatigue. If you just keep trying to push through whatever the fatigue is that you're feeling or just try and suck it up yeah. or bootstrap it up, it, yeah. it's not how you heal fatigue. You rest to heal fatigue. And Ariana Huffington wrote that book, Sleep Revolution, and just like when Matthew was putting the eye bag on your eyes, <laughs> I when I read Sleep Revolution, I was in the midst of a major apocalyptic lack of sleep. My partner and I were up all night tending to children and I read it and I felt so angry because I was like, please don't tell me what I'm doing to my body by not sleeping because as a parent, you can't not get up if your child is not sleeping. Mm. But now that my children and for all young parents in the trenches out there just keep going, hold steady, um, there is a point where I can now look at that and go, okay, I need to get my sleep and my rest back on track as best I can because it is going to serve my soul. It is going to serve my energy and life connection. So Sleep Revolution, Ariana Huffington, very interesting book about, you know, how sleep changes the world. And the nap ministry is another yes, thing that you mentioned. Love, love the nap ministry. Mm. And if we want to go macro, mm. so micro is you're a new parent, you don't mm. have any time to sleep, but that is a time in your life that you can mm. move through and then really value your sleep. If you go macro again, you think about, yeah, the teachers that you were talking about earlier who teach, uh, ha, who have a job that they have to do during the day and they have a job that they have to do it at night. Yeah. That's not a period in their life. That's never yeah. going to go away. They're never going to yeah. have enough sleep because it is the structures that need to change, mm. not the individuals. We can't just expect people to keep running on empty. People are not machines. And that is one of the beautiful things that we have acknowledged. We need self-care because we're not machines, yet let's create that power. And rest time is productive time. Yes. We've been told this idea that any mm. moment that you're not making money is not productive time, and that is nonsense. When you're resting, you're doing things that are more valuable than money. They can, they are priceless. And I wonder if we are going to value this more simply because we've had a chance. I did see a meme the other day that said, could we please all just stop the world once a month for four days and give it a chance to rest and regenerate. And I was like, this is spiritually what we need. Can you imagine all the bigger guardian guides up there watching this going, yes, yes, four days, once a month. I was thinking like meat-free Mondays. Yeah, why not have a stay-at-home Sundays or a stay-at-home, like this is my weekend once a month where we all just stay at home and we don't do shit and we just let ourselves rest and enjoy. The global Sabbath. We need a global Sabbath. We yeah. need, oh, we do, we do. Even in healing cycles, I really discovered when I was doing my own healing that just throwing money at something and going and doing more and more and more of it does not necessarily get you doesn't the result. Doesn't actually fix it. I actually mm. worked out that if I did something for my mind, something for my feeling center, something for my body and kept moving it in that cycle and took a break, 
before I started the next cycle. The benefits were amazing. Doing it in that order was phenomenal. And if you can actually see how far you've come between each of the sessions, that's where you get some kind of really big personal power building rather than just relying on something else all the time. Let's talk about that as a healer. So a lot of people who are trying to do their work and be present in their lives and elevate spiritually go and find a a teacher or a healer Mm. or someone that they can learn from. Mm. Having a teacher is a very important part of the healing spiritual process. But not all teachers have your best interest at heart Mm. and neither do all healers. Not all healers are made equal. Mm. What are the healthy signs of a healer? What are the unhealthy signs of a healer? I think it was Carolyn Meese that said that a lot of people are drawn to become healers because they need to heal themselves. Yeah, like a doctor heal thyself. It's one of the oldest kind of views of the healing practice, isn't it? So you find a lot of people that go into nutrition were really struggling with what to eat, you know, what was poisoning them and all this kind of stuff, and then they become nutritionalists. And then you find that a lot of people that are really into spiritual work and and things like that had a very tortured or weird experience of it as a child and needed to recreate it for themselves. But does that make everybody a grand pianist on the international stage? It it is really tricky to work out whose job this is and Mm. whose it isn't. And one of the most interesting things that I've noticed, a lot of people who do this and do it for a long time and earn a living from it and are still doing it and can talk about all the ups and downs with it would say, look, I don't necessarily know if it would have been what I chose in the first place. Like I kind of had another vision or another dream of myself, yet this does seem to be what I need to do and where I need to be all the time in this lifetime. And Mm. then it becomes more and more something that just becomes of service or part of what they do and is exchanging that energy on that level. I don't necessarily think it comes from a desire of wanting to be known for it because it's such hard work. Unless you were called to Mm. it. I always find a sign of a good healer is somebody who walks beside you instead of in front Mm. of you and who has the understanding that you are healing yourself and they are supporting you through that rather than they are healing you. It's like anyone who's like, you have to go through me to get to the good stuff. I'm like, nah, uh, 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 uh. I will support you to go into you to get the good stuff. Amazing. And that is why the job is so hard. Because you can't Mm. just do it for somebody. You have to stand next to them while they're looking at you going, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Could you just fix me? That would be amazing. Mm. I think also healers are positive and fun and joyful about the journey, even when it's hard. They're honest. And like, look at their lives. Do they look happy? Do they look happy? Mm. Yeah. And equally, I think the concept of walking beside somebody needs to mean that you have walked through the tunnel. You've done the work. You know what's ahead. You have the map of the island and you're like, oh, yes, okay. And you know exactly what lesson is coming. You know where the Horcrux are hidden. You're all over it. Yep. And you've, you've slayed a few dragons of your own. And I think that that is when you really feel a sense of connection. When I was with my beautiful therapist, Joan, who I entrusted in my deepest, darkest moments, It was because at some point she disclosed to me the level of personal power that she had to heal herself. And it was not that she had to do that, but by disclosing that to me, I could see that she held something 
in herself that she could teach me how to find with myself as well. Mm. And that is a really, that is the intrinsic nature of a spiritual teacher is someone that you're saying, thank you for having gone before me. Yeah, It is important to respect and honour and love your teacher because they have like your parent gone before you in a way that you can't imagine even when you don't agree with them or you want to be a teenager, you, you say, I honour that you know something. I still trust and you. Whole, I trust you. And it's yeah. building that trust. And I often won't pull a, 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 it's not rank, but there's a point sometimes I have to say, no, it really has to be done this way. Mm. I think we had this conversation a few times about things like about um, addiction, where I said to you, no, no, it really is not all fun and games. And it's not easy. It's actually quite difficult. And I was like, I don't want to, you can't make me, you're not my mom. And you were like, look, in this case, I kind of am. And hey, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I don't love being the mumsy energy, but sometimes I have to pull the mum. Usually that will only come after a very long time of connection where yeah, if yep. you go in tantrum or someone I'm teaching is going in tantrum, I'm like, I love you. Today's a tantrum day. Yeah, We're going to be good. You know, yep. give me a call, give me an email, we'll fix it. It's going to be fine. And you have to be able to do that, I think. Yeah. You need that trust. Yeah, definitely. And I think another sign is are they lifting people up or keeping people down? Are they mm. working from a starvation economy view of mm. the world where there's only so much power and I need to have it and no one mm. else can have it? Or mm. are they like, we all need to do this together? Mm. I'm empowering myself. I empower everyone around me. I lift everybody up. Or is there like some sort of pyramid that they're at the top of? I think mm. that can be a really good sign of, do you want to be on the bottom of the pyramid? Or do mm. you want to be lifting up? And then the, your teacher lifts you up and you can lift the people behind you up. Um, there's a really good thought among yoga teachers that some of the best teachers are just a little bit ahead of their students because then the students keep the teacher going, the teacher keeps the students going, you move as a body. It's not like I stand above you and I'm amazing and you poor peasants down here. It's like, no, we are all in this together. Let's go. I feel like I'm a student of Mm. the universe teaching those students because I've never taught those students before. I've never taken those people through. Mm. So I'm listening while they're listening. The other thing I think that's interesting is I don't really feel like the big cell has anything to do with this work. Obviously, you've got to let people know where you are, what you're teaching, what you're sharing. But I'm not into the big cell around this. I think if you have to do that, mm, it's... I also think that if you've been with a teacher for a while, it's not a bad idea to go, I'm taking the year off, I'm, I'm going yeah. on my own, can I still yep. connect with you somehow? Yep. Those, you know, there are lots of lineages, like my teacher, we're in a kahuna teaching, goodbye. Once you're taught to a certain yeah. step, you don't see yep. your teacher. I only cross paths with my teacher when it is miraculously destined. Mm. If I was in trouble, I could always connect with him. But really, it just happens at a most opportune moment. I always know something big's about to shift if I meet him and yep. I connect with him. I'm like, whoa. This is the idea that your teacher needs to teach you, your healer mm. needs to heal you, so you can stand on your own two feet and you're not dependent on them forever because that's not true healing. Yeah, and it's not always the teacher who's done the most courses with the mm. most big mindful mm. teachers out there. It, it is something much deeper and more truthful about their own personal journey. It could be a yeah, different collection yeah. of lessons. Yeah. yeah, and who you vibrate with. 
there are some things that really alarm me and maybe we can get into that yes yes what are the red flags mm, yeah so recently I had somebody that I had spoken to who was in spiritual emergency and it wasn't because of what they had necessarily done but they had gone somewhere to go on ayahuasca journeys they were sexualized while they were under ayahuasca and of course that just brought up a whole lot of stuff and there is some issues there if there is a sexual energy i think it's sort of one of the signs to say hey i think you're not my teacher and rule number one of being a yoga teacher is do not fuck your students like yeah that's that's pretty basic (laughs) i only i only ever fucked once one that's fine right I, I was going to say, I am married to one of my students, but I was not with him while we were teacher and student. Yeah, it's complicated. And like, honestly, do I feel great about the fact that I sleep, slept with one of my students? No, I don't. Like at the time, fine, I was into it. Looking back, if I could do things differently, would I? Yes, I absolutely would. Well, I, do, I, don't, I don't think it's a one size fits all rule. I mean, mm. I'm not saying, oh my God, you're never allowed to have a relationship or feeling with a student. What I'm saying is generally, if you are in a teaching space or you're a student space you should not be pressured sexually by your teacher yes and yes okay and like we got together yeah outside of outside it wasn't happening during the class it was like at a club no that's different yeah like absolutely within the sacred space it needs to be kept sacred The other thing I have a real problem with is men telling women about their sexuality, writing books about sexuality. I know there's a lot of men's groups out there, alpha men's groups, preaching about how they can help men understand women's sexuality. I'm really opposed to it. And use it and weaponize it against us, and that's not okay. Doubt a man is gonna be able to unlock that when he's never been in a female body. I also think that red flags are like you said, the pyramid concept you know, where there is this attainment of people that you have, if you've been with me, like, for 15 years or five years or three years, then you live at a different place. Yeah, yeah. The concept that you might build a kind of process of hierarchy amongst Mm. your students, I think is very telling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And lack of boundaries as well. Mm. Anybody who wants to support you but then is working through their own shit in supporting you isn't able to put that boundary down, pull back, hold space, make it about you. It's Mm. always just about them. That is a massive red flag as well because they're not in it for you. They're in it for themselves. It's an ego thing. And it's okay to ask questions. How long are your sessions? How much is it going to cost? Why do you charge as much as you do? Anyone should be able to answer that. This work is enormously tiring it you need to be incredibly committed there is a hangover there is a fallout I wouldn't charge any less for what I do and that's my choice because I know how much it costs me to sit in somebody's energy and problems and thoughts and life direction and and so if you can't explain why you are charging or what your process is then yeah there is something wrong you should be able to ask if there are licenses and certificates, you know, are you going to touch my body? Is there another way we can do this? You should be able to say how uncomfortable you are. I think these are natural things that people know, but it's good to be reminded, isn't it? Because you get in there and sometimes you forget. Have you ever had one of those experiences where you're in a not a great place and did not speak up or spoke up in a healing? So many, so many, so many little microaggressions Mm. that at the time didn't seem that big. And now I look back and I'm like, and again, a woman, being a woman in spiritual spaces Mm. when the man is a teacher, there's been so many cases where I was sexualized or something Mm. happened that I didn't know how to speak up about the time. Nothing terribly like 
traumatic for me, thank goodness, mm. but like all these little aggressions that you have to like push through to get mm. to where you're going, which generally is why I prefer to work with female teachers. All of my main amazing teachers, you included, they're all, they're all women. That's where I feel safe. That's how I circumnavigate some of those problems. Yeah. 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 You should feel comfortable. You should feel yes. at peace. Yep. And yep. if your body is feeling electrified, you can be completely being sexualized and not know it and that feels like electricity Mm. i think it's a calm very peaceful Mm. space if you're feeling that and you can even make a negative comment like that massage didn't feel great for me or whatever i think you know you're in the right place but if it's sort of tipping on to a body experience where even feeling drained afterwards you shouldn't necessarily feel drained yeah you shouldn't leave feeling drained you should leave feeling energized and supported Mm. definitely Mm. coming back around to to this idea of self-help fatigue mm. and doing our work and we're with our teachers and but we're exhausted you describe it really well you're like oh my god I got to the top of the mountain mm. look at me oh and I look at and I, the view up here is amazing and didn't I do well what's that behind me oh, shit it's more mountain so we were at that point where we're like oh my God, I'm exhausted. What other ways can we do to overcome this fatigue that aren't necessarily the ways that you think they are? Like how can we cultivate joy and pleasure and fun even though we're doing our work? Yeah, so I think what we're getting to is that some of this is work, right? Mm-hmm. Some of it is I am go- I used to go to therapy and it was not fun. I used mm-hmm. to have to, I, it was in my diary as a thing. I had yep. to do. It wasn't like, oh, how joyful. I even feel like that sometimes about my couple's counselling. I'm like, oh, God. It's necessary, powerful and potent. Afterwards, I treat myself. We treat ourselves afterwards because yeah, it's yep. work. Yep. So I think doing things afterwards or recognising when it is work and recognising when it is joy. So if you're going to yoga and it's like, oh, my God, I can't wait to go to yoga today or for a swim, that is living. That's joyful. That's positive. There are other times you're like, oh, God, that's really hard. One of my teachers talks about this really well. He compares it to making a meal. So if mm. you were going to make like a tomato pasta sauce, um, which, you know, we're in quarantine, everybody um, is making uh, pasta sauce. All, all the ingredients for that. So you have the tomatoes and you have the salt and you have the oregano and you have the pasta. And separately, if you tried those ingredients or if you were eating those ingredients separately, they'd taste awful. It's only when you put them all together mm. that you get something delicious. And so you don't have to enjoy your meditation practice. No. If you don't enjoy that 10 minutes of sitting there looking at your own thoughts, if you don't love your therapy, if you don't love it, it's fine because you're making a meal. Yes. The only question is, is this making my life better? It doesn't have to be, do I enjoy it? Do I not? Is it making my life better? Cool. I keep doing it. Is it not making my life better? I quit it and I do something else. Yeah. One of my kids hates brushing his teeth. Yeah. You hate brushing your teeth, but you love having teeth. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with you. There are things in this caring experience that are body, mind, spirit caring that aren't always going to feel good, that are necessary. And I think keep those going because you're going to receive the benefit from doing those every day. But then there is other stuff that is about joy and positivity and fun and life making sure you're living around them. Some people become spiritually addicted, self-care addicted, beauty addicted. None of it's in balance.
balance. So the the concept of balance is really important. Yeah, you don't want to get bored or no. boring. So no. go see some art. I'm a big fan of like when yeah. I get exhausted by my Create. work, I go and I transcend. Me so too. I just go to the art gallery. I um, I'm watch, music. I'll go. I'll, I'll go, go to dancing, a band. I'll band, watch Pretty yeah. Woman for the 59th time. <laughs> it's like whatever you can do to just yeah. lift yourself up and enjoy yes. and have fun because you're allowed to have fun. This is allowed to be fun. Do you know what that is, Curly? That's reparenting. Oh, that is a little that bit of reparenting. Is reparenting. Isn't it? It's saying, yes. I am not going to see this as push, 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 push. I'm going to see this as my life. And my life has got self care in it. My life has got capacity for me to heal and take my power back and put things in order. And, you know, whether it's doing my taxes or getting my teeth cleaned or going through a spiritual awakening, it's all important. And is there a way I can get it in there without feeling like I hate it and hate myself at the end of it. And nobody's keeping clock here. This mm. isn't a pass or fail. It doesn't have to be linear. And if we're not living, we're missing the point. You've got yeah. your whole life to get through it. So you're allowed to pause and just enjoy and know mm. that sometimes the most, most powerful healing happens when you just let it go. You just let it go and you live and you let it happen in the background and you don't have to be so focused on it. And one of the real ways you can do that, especially if you are getting a bit stuck in yourself, is open it up. How one of the things about spiritual practice is it looks like it looks like it's just you, but actually when you get really deep into your yoga journey, you can fit the whole world on that mm. yoga mat. So if you're sick of getting stuck in your own head, go get into service. Go figure out how you can expand this and support yeah. your community and lift people up behind you. And then that, then it, how good does it feel to help people? Then you mm. get to tap into that and not just feel exhausted about helping yourself. And it is so much more than what we've been marketed. Mm. And I think if you go down the marketing trap and you get into all of that, you're going to lose your way. Yeah, so just don't. If you stop and ask, what makes me feel good? Do plants in my room make me feel good? Do I truly love crystals or do I just think everyone has crystals that are spiritual? then don't buy any. Like if crystals don't work for you, don't buy them. It, it's really coming back to that inner compass. Yeah, and you're allowed to be the rock and roll spiritual chick, right? You don't just have to do, be like... Do what's good for you. You do you. Whatever. And so just to end, we found this um, really interesting essay by Maria Palombo. It's called Dear Goddess Movement. And I just want to read you a little bit out of it. Dear Goddess Movement, I am bored with your shiny white goddesses with bodies the width of a rope. Attractive ones with flowing hair and hands folded in prayer across the heart to let us know they are spiritual and good and powerful. They go without the hunger that keeps the body awake. They tell me what to eat, what to think, whom to hate, a new exhausting fad in the name of consciousness. Adorned with prayer beads and witchy mantras, I feel empty in my body when I watch the spectacle. That having the right guru, outfit and spiritual trip will wake me up. These goddesses lead us down a rabbit hole of some symbols, some ritual, some other thing that we should do to let us know who we are. You say that sitting alone in my room with tarot cards is all I need to create a future built on joy and not pains, or create a new vision board for all I need is a crystal in my bra and I'm good. I want the responsibility of my life. I do not want to hand it over to a horoscope, a psychic. I want to find it within because I am strong enough to hold and create it. I want to look at myself first and identify what I can do to clean up the mess that has become of society instead of finding more reasons to hate it. But I can only be a part of a movement that lets us all come along. True power does not alienate or cut, but it brings up and creates. 
I want to be messy and yearn for and feel what it is to be in a relationship that yearns right back, no longer alienating men but inviting them in. I want to eat until my body feels full and I want to lick the whipped cream that may or may not be vegan off my fingers. I want to suck the marrow out of life and feel it suck right back and know that there are worse things than that. I want to feel the rain on my skin and not package it into a pretty spiritual practice. I want to be challenged and called out on my own darkness and not waste any moment of my precious time here, shaking my fist and hating the ones who hurt me. I want to knock down my walls one by one until I cannot see the wrong other, until I can only see myself staring right back at me. Here's to looking at the one within and letting her out, no matter how messy she gets. Mm. I think where that's come out of, because it's big and controversial in so many ways, like I don't necessarily know if I agree with all of the way it's written, and it's interesting because I use the rabbit hole as a symbol of how to get people to where they need to go. So it's not that everything around that is necessarily bad. Where that sentiment, I think, has come from is that the movements around self-care, the goddess circles or whatever, have helped some people feel like they have been taken away from themselves or it has taken them away from their personal power now whether that was the circle or whether that was just where the person was but it it's it's something i hear regularly that people go through on this mm. journey where they kind of go get swept up in something whether it's a spiritual group or a movement or an idea or a healing method and then they kind of awaken to the fact that it's more personal and universal and more back to power and responsibility within themselves so i think it's interesting for that reason yeah, it's an interesting article. There's an article that I would suggest to complement it as well, uh, which we're not going to read the whole article because it's very long and it's very detailed and you really just want to make a cup of tea and sit down and get into it. It's called I Need to Talk to Spiritual White Women About White Supremacy. It's by Layla F. Said, and you can find it on her website, which is laylafsaeed.com um, or just Google I Need to Talk to Spiritual White Women About White Supremacy. It's a good one. It's hard, but yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, really great recommend article. It. And also there's Rachel Cargill's article, When Feminism is White Supremacy and Heals. And that's a really great one to do the same, pour a cup of tea, sit down and really digest what she's talking about. She explains what white allyship really looks like and what we really need to consider to be allies and to be able to hold that energy for uplifting the voices of people of colour and really acknowledging and taking responsibility for the white fragility. The other thing Rachel Cargyle offers, which I think is really great, is an online course called The Start. Being an activist, she creates a lot of programs and does a lot of lecturing. Such a big topic and I love it and I love getting into it with you. What are our takeaways from today besides the fact that we love to get a little bit ranty and I am heavily here for it? <laughs> Maybe we've had a bit of... Does that have like a release? Yes, yes. I think when it comes to working out how to care for yourself, first work out what your intention is. Where are you coming from? Do you want yes. to get connected to your spirit? Do you want to move? Do you want to heal? Do you need something more than what is on the self-care table. I mean, one size does not fit all. It requires tweaking and it's okay to rest. It's okay yes. to stop. Rest. Let yourself rest. The way you overcome your self-help fatigue is you let yourself rest, you find joy, and remember, fuck capitalism. That'll make you feel better. 
Sure, you've had sex, but have you fucked the system? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> let's drop it down. Let's get into our bodies. Let's get into our lives. Let's nurture ourselves in our inner space. And let's get into each other. And let's try and change the system. Yeah, let's let's change the system. Let's try and create a world together where we don't all need to tap out, um, where we've worked together so that we're all supported and we all lead meaningful lives that are valued and supported and cared for. And anything that makes you feel invisible, guilty, worthless, less than, hello, it's not care and it's not no. love. And no. if it doesn't feel love, <laughs> let it go. No. Look, for our What the World Needs Now this week, I feel like I'm going to suggest another podcast, which, you know, I think we're really comfortable doing. Um, but I think it's like bordering on self-care. It's certainly something I'm doing for my spiritual self-care at the moment. The podcast is called Dissected, and I've only just found it. It's this music nerd called Cole Kuchner who spends a season pulling apart one album. So every song on the album gets a whole episode and season three, he's brought in this amazing woman called Titi Shadia, and they're doing Beyonce's Lemonade. Oh, my ah. God. It is blowing my mind. So Love every it. song gets an entire episode where they pull apart the themes. It's the visual album, the imagery. It's just... Oh, you and I meet here. Oh, my God. I cannot recommend it enough. They're only up to episode three. So get in there now and we can all nerd out together. That is my What the World Needs Now, the Dissect podcast. Amazing. My What the World Needs Now this week is a game. And it is a self care game. It's so fun. And we used to have dinner parties where we would create space to play this game with all our friends. You could absolutely do it online with your friends during the pandemic on Zoom. So a Zoom wish game would be fantastic. It was created by a woman called Louise LaFay and she woke up in the middle of the night and wrote down this whole vision that she had and then it created this game. And this game helps you see what's going on around the things you wish to manifest or connect into. So you come out with a whole understanding of what's going on. You're the one that provides all the answers and it even gives you a bit of a plan about how to move forward. I love I this. I love it. Where it's do I a, find it? How do so I get it? Look up thewish8.com. E-I-G-H-T or A-T-E? Eight as in the number, number eight. Number eight, yep. This is one of the best apps I've ever seen created. I love it. But there is a Wish Game app. So if you search the Wish Game It'll come up. It's blue. It's $5.99, but it is fantastic. And you can play it on your phone at any time. And I, it is so well thought out. I have played it again and again and again. And each time it brings revelation. So it is something that I feel like is very rare because to create something that you can hand people that they can actually get from start to finish themselves is phenomenal. And it's exactly what we were talking about. It's a tool that allows you to grow and have fun. And we really want to hear from you about this week's mm. What the World Needs Now. Somebody please write to me. Let's nerd out about <laughs> Beyonce. Get in touch. Let us know how the Wish Game goes as well. We Ooh. want to know what it uncovers for you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, hey, Elle, where can I find you on the internet? If I want to work with you, where do I find you? Um, I'm at www my energy are you mentor. sure <laughs> hold on i'm at www.myenergymentor.com i have to think about that i don't often look myself up that's the hilarious thing like i always it? know where i am i'm right here <laughs> i'm right here i am where i am 
Where can I find you? Where are you? <laughs> That's an existential question. On Instagram, I am Luminous Awakenings, and you can find me at kirrilylynch.com, K-I-R-I-L-E-I-G-H, lynchlikethepin.com. Come and check me out. Thank you so much for listening. If you've liked what you've heard, then please rate and review us. It helps us spread the word about the podcast. Oh, we love a review, don't we? We yeah. love a review. Thank you. Thank you to all those wonderful people who have written us for mm. review. It really helps people find us because we we don't we don't want to add in advertising. We don't advertise. We, we're not we're... kind of a big podcast thing. It's quite hard for people to find us. So when you rate and review us, it sends little stars out there for us and it helps people find us on the search engine. Yeah, so you can do it wherever you listen to us. Um, it's really great if you could do it on iTunes for us as well. And we're still seeking uh, your questions. What do you want to know? What can we answer? How can we help you? Email us, hq at woowooverse.com or come and hit us up on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, woowooverse.com, and you can leave us your questions there. We're going to do a mailbag episode and we want you to be included. So let us know what you want to know. Hey, Elle, support you. Support you. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. The Wooverse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer, Dan Zivkovic. We love him. And if this conversation has brought up anything for you, or if there's any extra work you've realized you want to do around this topic, then please know that you do not have to traverse the Wooverse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you.